This morning's reading is from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 16. That's Ephesians 4, 4 through 16. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way to him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint in which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Leslie. Well, again, glad you're here on this fall kickoff Sunday morning. Um, I love these types of Sundays. They're a little out of the ordinary, or a lot out of the ordinary, actually. Um, but I love that we get to gather like this um, and come together and do things a little bit different. It's good to mix things up uh, a little bit, change kind of the routine uh, every once in a while. These are mornings when we gather as a church that, whether it's our, out, our, our summer picnic or here for fall kickoff, that I love to address um, kind of uh, big themes of who we are as a church or why we exist uh, as a church. And, and I love also, we have our kids in here this morning. A lot of them have little baggies they got, but I love having our kids in here too. Um, I'm going to be talking to you this morning as well. So kids, do you hear me? Yes? Yeah? Oh, a few. Good, good. I'm talking to you as well this morning. We have you in here for a reason. You're part of the church now. Not just when you get older, but I'll be talking to you this morning. And I might even have a couple things for the kids to, to help out with today. Well, this is a morning that I really want to lay out a vision for Bethany Church. For who we are. Uh, and who God wants us to be as Bethany Church. I want you to think for a moment of a family, a family going camping. Um, our theme is outdoors. You can kind of see it on your table there, and, and you see our picture behind me. But I want you to think of a family going uh, camping. Um, mom, dad, couple kids, maybe grandparents. And on the way out the door, grandpa asks everybody, well, what are you most looking forward to? What are you most looking forward to? 
And you think about how would the kids versus mom and dad versus grandma and grandpa answer that question? Maybe kids want to float down the river in a tube and, and uh, mom and dad just want to put their feet up by the fire and sit down. And grandma and grandpa, maybe a, a walk or a hike they wanted to go on. You, I mean, you get a lot of, you would get a ton of different answers just depending on who you asked. I'm sure they'd be very different. They would each have a different vision of what would make this camping trip the best trip ever. What would make it great? Which is probably going to cause them as well on that trip, as the trips you've been on as a family, probably maybe some friction too. What are you going to do? What do we want to do? I want to do this. I want to do that. We all want to do this. And they end up sometimes just fracturing. Have you ever been on a family trip like that? You go your separate ways, and you kind of head on out depending on what you want to do. Well, today we're going to look at a vision for the church that will will ask, where Paul's going to ask a local body to maintain unity, unity, rather than fracturing or separateness, but a togetherness he's going to talk about, to be purposeful so that we can have an impact here and in Canby. So here's our question. How do we grow as disciples without fracturing, without splintering, with maintaining a unity that Paul talks about today as as disciples of Jesus Christ? At the end of the day, I think, many of us know we, we, we need to grow. You and I need to grow as disciples. But at the end of the day, sometimes I, I'm not sure we know how. Or we ask, well, how do we grow? What actually happens? What takes place to make us grow? Well, this fall kickoff, we're going to look to our new theme as Paul calls the church to be equipped. To be equipped. This morning, we're answering two questions. Here they are. How do we become equipped? How do we become equipped? And the second one is this. Why? What's the purpose? Why does God ask us to be equipped? So how and what is it? And the why behind it. Why are we to be equipped? To be equipped for this journey of discipleship we're on. So grab your outline. Have your Bibles open to Ephesians 4. Hopefully you already do. As we're going to look at really, I guess, three pieces of equipment as we're talking outdoorsy and camping and being equipped. And you got the, those great little centerpieces there as well to kind of fit our theme. As we come to our passage, Paul's been just talking about one main thing for the church. And here it is. Having unity in diversity. Paul's been talking about the church saying, encouraging them to have unity, oneness, even amongst yourself in, yourselves in diversity that might be in any local body. Paul's so concerned for the local church that they maintain unity, not just uh, invisibly as they have in the Holy Spirit, which we do have that unity, but also visibly for the world to see. Here's what he says. Be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Be eager, he says, to maintain that unity. Unity in the Spirit, a bond of, of peace. Now this doesn't just happen in any congregation, in any local body, naturally, does it? When you put a bunch of people together in a local congregation, uh, a local group of people, whether it's a family or a church or any group, when you bring people together, especially we know we're sinful, there's the potential for conflict. This takes intentionality, is what Paul is saying. 
It takes intentionality. As what does he say? Look at the words. He says, be eager to maintain this. Maintain even. It's something they can go in and out of. Be eager to maintain this unity. This is something we all of us, every one of us have to have a vision for this and be aware of this. That we're called to be part of this body and eager to see it happen. To have us grow to be united, to be together in oneness. And maintain, too, for the entire lifespan of our church or until Christ returns. We have to be about this. The unity is something to be preserved in real, concrete now relationships with people we're sitting next to. That's why I like sitting at tables like this on Sundays like this because when we're shoulder to shoulder facing the front, it's, it's easy to forget that We're together in this. It has to be maintained, as Paul says here, in real concrete relationships. That's where it's lived out. That's where it's lived out. This love and peace, this bond of peace. Paul says in this passage, for a little context, there's one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, and one God and Father overall. And it's the unity that we have in the Trinity, even diversity and unity, the Trinity has it, those three persons in one God that's to be our model and our power for this. We have a model. We have an enabler, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, diverse in what they do in the world and yet one perfectly one. That's our model and our power. Well, back to that family on the camping trip. The kids are maybe out on the river floating. Mom and dad are asleep in the hammock, maybe. I would be. That's where I would be. And grandma and grandpa are on a hike and all doing their own thing. Now, this is just a camping trip. This is kind of just a silly little example of that. So it's not necessarily a big deal on a trip. You do separate things. But imagine if that was their pattern for all of life. All of life now. Or the breakdown that happens in family when family breaks down. Maybe the family by name but the division that can take place in fractioning. So if we were their friends or extended family and we loved them, we would be eager, wouldn't we? We'd be eager to see, to seek peace. We'd be eager to see them come back together for unity to be maintained if we loved this family and cared about them and saw a fracturing. It's the same way for the church. Paul asks us to be eager and concretely involved in each other's lives to maintain unity and fellowship and peace in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's what he wants for us. To show to the world the unity that God himself has and the unity we have through him in Jesus Christ. That's the context what Paul's talking about here. That's that, this background of unity in diversity. Because he goes on to say, we are diverse. We, each and every one of us have spiritual gifts. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have a spiritual gift. You do. So there's a diversity as well in this room. A spiritual gift to be used to equip each other. So let's unpack those three pieces of equipment this morning. The be equipped. Here's we're starting with. How are we to be equipped? How are we to be equipped? Paul mentions some of the diverse gifts in verse 11. Let me turn there as well to the passage myself in Ephesians 4. 
He mentioned some of the diverse gifts in verse 11. Take a, a look with me. He says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. He lists a few of the diverse gifts there. And he mentions just five, really. There's five different lists in the New Testament of gifts, and it's not even exhaustive, but he just mentions five here. Whether it's an apostle or a prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher, what do we notice about those five gifts? What's the one thing they maybe all have in common? They're different, but they all are gifts that are centered around the teaching of God's Word. The teaching of God's Word. Even if we don't have apostles and prophets in the original sense of those gifts, the fact that these are all listed by Paul underscores the central place of the Word of God in the life of his people and in a church for unity, peace, and being equipped. And so it leads to our how. Here is how we are all primarily equipped. We are all primarily being equipped through the teaching and preaching of God's Word. You could add to that the sharing of it, the discussion of it, the opening of it on our own. But that's what Paul's really wanting us to see. We are equipped primarily through the teaching and preaching of God's Word. I I say this with certainty. There is nothing more important for the building up, the equipping of the body of Christ, the church, in in all times, than the preaching of God's Word. Than having gifted teachers who will open it and share it and make it come alive and apply it. There's nothing more important, the equipping of God's people. But here's the thing. It's not about the teacher of the Word. It's not about the teacher of the word. It's never ultimately about me, the preacher. It's about the preaching of God's word. That's what Paul's saying. So it's a good question for us to ask. Are you being equipped? Do you find yourself coming under God's word on a Sunday? or other times during the week. And here's the second question to ask. Are you eager about it? That's what Paul says here. He wants us to be eager to maintain that unity and be equipped. And the way it happens is sitting under God's Word. So are you eager about it? And so on this Sunday, it's good to think about, are you taking advantage even of ministries we have here that offer that? Life groups, a place to prolong and amplify the application of the Sunday morning Word. That's why they exist. Or other means, maybe our Sunday adult seminar, women and men's studies we mentioned today. All of these are means to an end. They're not an end in and of themselves. They're means to an end. To be equipped. To be equipped. To grow. It kind of means, when you think about being equipped, it's kind of this idea of to furnish the mind. Like, think think of what's in your mind. What's the furniture that makes up your mind? What are the big mental pieces in your mind that you live your life according to? Really, when you say equipped, it really means that. What's the furniture in your mind? Is it shaped by God's Word? Or how about our kids' minds? Let's talk about our kids for a minute. How about our kids' minds? We've got a bunch sitting in here today. All, every table almost has some kids at it today. How about our kids' minds? Here's a challenge to our families, myself included. How are you equipping 
your children and their minds. Sunday school is great. It is one of the ways we do it. And I'm glad we have it. And I'm glad we have a way to, to speak into the lives of kids. But another follow-up question is, what's taking place in your home? Because Sunday school is good, but they're only here one hour a week. What's taking place in your home if you have children? Or you're a grandparent too. This isn't just for our parents. A lot of grandparents in here that I know have great influence in their grandchildren's lives. We have to be eager and intentional as disciples, as parents and grandparents too. What is going into our kids' minds to equip equip them? Uh, It's the reason we launched our um, Bethany Kids Resource Ministry. You'll see coming up here. We launched it last week, and uh, we've had resources uh, as well. So it's what David's doing in youth ministry. We're trying to equip our kids. I think, Lee, we got that slide coming up for our, our resources there. Our, our Bethany Kids resources. Just one of the ways. We want to get good resources into parents' and grandparents' hands. Because it's that important. What's going into our kids' minds to equip them. Here's another one. I want to put another really uh, great resource in front of you today as we talk about equipping our kids now. And really, this is for kids and adults. It's called the New City Catechism. You hear that word, a catechism? That's like a, what is that? It's like a formal word. It really just means to teach. That's all it means. Catechism really just means the Greek word uh, to teach. Um, It's a simple tool, but wonderful. Uh, my family and I have been using it a little bit recently uh, to kind of bring before our kids and furnish their minds with truth, with truth. Let's go to that next slide. It's, it's pretty simple. You can download it. There's an app for it, but uh, it really it just runs in question and answer format. There's a few different sections, God, creation, fall, law, Christ, redemption, grace, and you see spirit, restoration, growing, and grace. And it's just an app, iPhone or, or uh, Android. And it's got the little question there. What's our only hope in life and death? And the kids' answer is a little shorter. That's for the adults. But it's that we are not our own. We belong to God. That's the answer. And it's a simple way just to work with your kids, whether it's at the dinner table or right before bed, to do a question or two with them, to furnish their mind with God's truth. There's even songs that go with each one of the questions to help the kids learn it. To furnish their minds with the true, with the good, with the beautiful of God's Word. That's what Paul is talking about here. The passing on of the faith doesn't happen by osmosis. It'd be nice if it did, right? Lay your head on your Bible at night, wake up in the morning, oh, you know, that'd be be nice. It doesn't though. It takes takes work. We have to be, it's it's a formal word, but we've got to be taught. Catechized is really the word. We have to be taught, equipped, furnished. Do me a favor. Look on your tables there, your centerpieces. Take a look at them there. They've got some tools on them and, and, and logs that are like uh, to start a fire. Kids, do you see those logs on your table? You see them too? Okay, I see a couple of you guys look at them. Yeah, those logs on your table. We have to put concepts and truth of who God is into the minds of our kids, kind of like putting a log on a fire, like placing a log in, in a fireplace. Or at that campfire. Here's a quote Kathy Keller said in the intro to this catechism. She said, The key is becoming convinced you are furnishing your child, and this goes for adults too, with the mental foundation on which the rest of his or her spiritual life be built. Or to switch metaphors, you're laying the kindling and logs into the fireplace. 
So that when the spark of the Holy Spirit ignites your child's heart, there will be a steady, mature blaze. It means we put it there so that Lord willing, when he does a work in their heart, those things that have already been put there will come alive. It's the same for us as adults. We have to furnish our mind with these logs that stoke the fire. Bethany Church, we are equipped through the teaching of God's Word. But not just to become masters of it, but to become mastered by it. That's what it's for. Not just to become a master or a biblical scholar, but to let the Word master you and direct you as it equips us. Be filled up with God's Word. I think of that canteen on your table. We've got canteens there too. Do you see it? A canteen. Another way to look at it. We need to be filled up like we fill that canteen with water and it's life-giving and and, and thirst-quenching. We have to be filled up with God's Word too. God's Word is living water. That's the how. That is the primary way we are equipped. You think, that's kind of simple. I mean, isn't that what, like, isn't there something much more revolutionary than that? I'm glad it's simple. Uh, I'm glad it's, it, 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 there's a primary way. And it really is the truth. God's word is alive. And his word does the work if we're willing to open it and share it together. I believe that. I absolutely believe that with all my heart. Well, then, if the, here's the, the, the how. Here's the, the why. Why are we to be equipped then? Why are we to be equipped? What's the purpose behind it then? Like we said, it's not just to become a master of the word or a biblical scholar or, or be able to do really good on the sword drill or the Bible questions, uh, you know, Bible trivia, whatever. It's not, it's not just for that. It's not. Here's the why again. We are not just to become equipped kind of theological eggheads for knowing lots of stuff. There are real practical reasons. Here's our second kind of tool of, to be equipped. We're practically equipped for the immediate work of ministry. So primarily equipped, now practically equipped for the immediate work of ministry. It's kind of our second piece of equipment. Look at verse 12 with me if you got your Bibles open, Ephesians 4. He says, after listing all those gifts, the teaching gifts, to equip, verse 12, the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. This first purpose of being equipped, it's very immediate. Very immediate. Uh, New English Bible says to equip God's people for work in his service. That's why. That's the immediate purpose. So while the pastors and shepherds and teachers are mentioned in the equipping, verse 11, it's really clear that Paul is talking about ministry for everyone and by everyone, a part and and a place to play. Every member ministry, you might call it. He's calling the church to be equipped for that. The ministry is not just by uh, the professional pastor, maybe, or the elders, but, um, or to be for those that have a certain amount of success or, or a great track record. It's a call for everyone in the church. As I said, we all have gifts. And Paul asks us to use them. The New Testament vision of a pastor is not one who hoards ministry or who's jealous and hovers over and keeps a tight grip on everything. That's not the New Testament vision of a pastor. That's not what I'm called or the elders are called to do. The pastor's role is to equip and encourage 
and help people do ministry and discover gifts and to develop as ministers of the gospel. Discover the joys of, of service and living for the Lord. And the privilege of doing ministry. That's, that's my role. That's my call to come alongside all of us. That's why we're having this theme this morning of be equipped. That all of us can discover, and many of us are, many of you are, using those gifts. And there is joy in that and a value in that. It's kind of like that compass on your table. I think that's the second of the third there. It's kind of like that compass that God's Word equips us then to know now as ministers of the gospel. All of us, you're a minister. Do you know that? You're a minister. You're like, wait, I didn't sign up for that. <laughs> you're a minister of the gospel. The Word of God is like that, that compass equipping and showing us how and where to go as we do ministry together. But that also means... We have to try things. And you have to try things. Maybe it's a ministry you've never done before. Um, to, to, to work together and grow in areas. Some will work out, some won't. That's okay. But we got to try things as we're all called to minister together. All of us to, to, to multiply ministers of the gospel, people who serve. Why is that so important practically now? Real practical that it's not just the pastor and leaders who are ministers, but everybody. I had a couple, I need a couple of volunteers to help me out here. And I want to kind of get some of our kids involved. Well, I've got a couple of team leaders, I think, that I, with Tyler Schweitzer. Where's Tyler? Tyler, Tyler, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Come on up, Tyler. This is Tyler. Let's welcome Tyler up. Thanks for coming up, buddy. And we got Blake Miller. Where's Blake? Come on up, Blake, buddy. All right, come on up here. Let's put this one right here. Now, Tyler and Blake are here to help us out a little bit. We're going to play a little game. So there's two things first. Everybody, uh, everybody have pennies? Do you see a penny on your table there? All right, here's two things that everyone out there can help us with. Grab your pennies, and then what I need you to do is, we're, I said we're scooting a little today. Try to make as much room as you can for our aisles to be open, okay? We're going to play a game. Um, with our two guys here, uh, we've got Blake and Tyler here. We're going to have a competition. You like competition? You play sports. What do you play? Baseball. Baseball how about you? All right. It's, all right. Beavers versus ducks. I don't know. I see beavers, but I don't see ducks there. I, I, sorry if I offended. Uh, we've got a couple guys here. Yeah, I noticed. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to have a competition to gather pennies. But here's the catch. You, you, you have to get one at a time and bring it back to the jar. Okay, who has pennies? Are they out there? Oh, look at that, guys. We've got a lot out here. But there's, there's, there's one more catch. Um, I wanted to have uh, Tyler's team. You get to pick nine friends. Go, go find them. Go quick, go quick, go quick. Go pick them. If you want to help kids, hand, raise your hands. Tyler's going to pick his team. Just grab them, bring them up. Tyler, point to them. If Tyler points at you, come on up to the front. Come on up. You can leave your penny there. You don't need yours. You're going to be helping out. Come on up. We need nine. Come on up. There's one, two, three, four, five, six. I think three more. Three more, Tyler. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Two more. Two more. So there you go. We're good. That's all right. Come on up. 
All right. Okay, so Tyler has his team here, and you have 10. Okay, Blake, you're on your own, buddy. <laughs> All right. And now here's the rules. One at a time and back. So adults, you have to hold them up, or kids, if you're out there with them. One at a time and back. Your jar's here, okay? Your jar, no cheating on this now, okay? One at a time. I already hear people whispering, like, we're going to help him out. He, he knows. He's aware. All right, we're going to give them one minute. I'm going to set my timer, and then we're going to let you go. So there and back, there and back, there and back. And I think we got a couple hundred pennies in here. So let me set my timer. All right, on your mark. Watch out for chairs, kids, and people. Get set. Go. Let's cheer them on. Let's cheer them on. Let's cheer them on. Go, 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 guys. One at a time. One at a time. One at a time. Let's go get them. All right. One at a time. One at a time. One at a time. Go get them, guys. No, don't pass them down, please. He's got to go get them. You guys are cheating. You go last for lunch. Well, here's the rule. Don't pass them down. I said there and back. Come on. I did say that. No cheating. There. He's got to go get them. No passing down. You got 15 seconds. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. All right, stop. Let's give him a round of applause. You out of breath? You out of breath? Oh, you're good. You're better shape than I am. Awesome. All right, go count your pennies, please. Go ahead and count yours. If it doesn't work, we know why. I know, your unity, helpful, so helpful. I love it. How many you got, buddy? 20, okay. What do you guys got? We got a one group, one, one, guys. Five, 36. All right. Forty-nine, fifty, fifty-one. All right. All right. Is there finishing? <laughs> really, it's just a fun way to point out the fact that when we all work together, we're better together. When we all come together as a team in unity in the church, we 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 accomplish more for this kingdom. We work better together when we all see ourselves as uh, ministers together, ministers in the gospel. Now, uh, we, I mean, uh, Blake knew, so he's a good sport. Let's give him a round of applause. I got a prize for him. There you go. Uh, but really, we've got, how many of you guys have been having? 61. And what'd you have? Good. So you actually did really good. Good job, Blake. Um, but 
you can see what we're kind of getting at here. So let's give them a round of applause. I got some little gifts for you guys as well. For you. For you. I'll get you one later. For you. For you. For you. All right. For you. For you. I think we got them. And for you. And I will get you one later today. Oh, you got one. Okay, good. I think we might have been one short. No? We got it? Okay, good. If I missed you, come grab me. I thought I didn't have enough, but I guess I did. Let's give one more round of applause. Thank you, guys. So it's valuable when we work together. It's valuable when we have teamwork. Um, but I don't want us to think of it, we talk about serving now, as just pulling off ministries internally. It's not just about uh, pulling off stuff inside the church. While that is good and that is service, part of that, like today, everybody helping out to make an event like this happen, I want us to also think outside these walls as well. If we see ourselves as ministers of the gospel, and that's where the impact really grows, when we leave this building, think of the impact we have. Think of what we have. When we leave this building, if we view ourselves as ministers of the gospel, it's not just one pastor trying to evangelize a community. It's 200 people here. And that is a a powerful uh, message that God wants us to hear. That's the practical reality of being equipped for the work of ministry inside the walls of Bethany, but also as we go out into our community, our families, our places of employment, with those we love, with those we don't love, to share the love of Jesus Christ. If you are a follower of Christ, you're a minister of the gospel. Uh, one of the ways, real quick, to, that we're equipping is that, that seminar next Sunday. Uh, let's throw that up again, Lee. Come on out for that. One of the ways to be equipped is in, is in being equipped to share the gospel. That's hard to do. I know it. I know myself it's hard to do. And yet this little book we read with our men's study, uh, that which this series is based on, turning everyday conversations into gospel conversations. A little series like this can just give you even just a couple tools in sharing your faith can go a long way. Let me tell you, you saw those three circles in the video they drew. It's a real simple tool. It's a means to an end. Just equipping yourself to be able to have some way to share your faith. We want to be a people who are equipped to speak about Jesus, to serve together. Let's go to that next quote by John Stott. He sums this up well. He says, Christ's immediate purpose. Here's the immediate purpose in giving of pastors and teachers to his church, is through their ministry of word to equip all his people for their varied ministries. And the ultimate purpose of this is to build up his body, the church. For clearly the way the whole body grows is for all of its members to use their God-given gifts. These gifts are so beneficial both to those who exercise their ministry faithfully and to those who receive that the church becomes steadily more healthy, and mature, which leads to our third and final thing. We're practically equipped for the work of ministry, but ultimately you and I are being equipped to mature, to grow to the fullness of Jesus Christ. If the compass was kind of like the practical equipped for the work of ministry, the binoculars on your table now are for the ultimate purpose, to see. We want to grow in the mature uh, into the fullness of Jesus Christ as we mature. So when others look at us, binoculars think, when they look at us, they see Jesus. They see his love. They see his unity in our unity. Look at verses 13 and 14 as we wrap up today. Until, until 
we all attain, so we're to be equipped until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. We are to be equipped for an ultimate purpose, Paul says, to continue to grow as disciples of Jesus Christ, our whole life. And we grow in unity as we grow in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. That's the quote from the verses there. It's the phrase Paul uses. In other words, the more we know and trust the Son of God, the more we grow into His fullness. The more we know and trust the Son of God, we grow into His fullness corporately together. That's why it's so important to be part of a local body. We're prone to wander on our own. Anybody have a top in this room? I do. Anybody else have a top in this room? Only one other kid has one. Do you bring it with you? No, it's in, your, it's in your bag, right? We got it. Everybody's got a top? Do you have a top there? Anybody? Here's what I want the kids to do. I want you to spin them on your table. Spin them a couple times and let them kind of do their thing. They got lights, I think, actually. These are kind of cool. Spin your top on your table there and let it kind of go all the way until it kind of stops. We got, oh, I love it. You can see the lights flashing on the table here. Those are actually working really well. I did not expect them to spin that long. Let's spin them once. When it stops, put your top back in your hands for me. I just saw one kind of peter out over there and fall over. Good. Put it in your hands. There we go. What do you notice about these tops? You spin them and they, they're going really good there. And they spin, don't they? A nice and tight spiral and they're spinning really good. But then all of a sudden they start to wobble, don't they? They start to kind of go in different directions around that tight little, little spiral it was in. And they wobble, and all of a sudden they kind of fall over and peter out, don't they? Paul's talking here about us as Christians, kind of like a top. Really, the, the, the image he uses is of a boat being tossed to and fro by the waves. And the danger of that when you put a little boat out on and the storm comes to be tossed to and fro. Or really, it's, it's almost like he's talking about a top that spins and goes out of control and kind of goes where it wants. What's he saying? We are driven by our beliefs. We are driven by our beliefs. What we hold to be true sets the course for our life. Like this top, like a boat on, 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 on the, the water and the waves. We live according to what we really believe. In public and in private, we live according to what we really believe. And we're only able to stand firm now, Paul's talking about, not being a, wind, a, a top that peters out or a boat that gets uh, drifted away in the waves. We're able to stand and grow firm in obedience and Christ-likeness, not just because you know something, because you Trust it. Here's a little formula to help us with this. Knowing plus trusting equals growing. So it's not just knowing the Word of God. It's trusting it. It's basing the weight of your life upon it. It's like sitting down in that chair you're sitting on, knowing that, you know what, it's gonna hold me. That's trust. Knowing plus trusting equals growing. As we're equipped in knowledge, it has to move from our head to our heart where we begin to trust, 
which then helps us live out in truth, in trusting, in obedience. That's how we grow. That's how we stay on course. That's how we avoid becoming a ship that capsizes in the waves of every wind and doctrine, as Paul said. We won't be like that top. Rather, how will we respond? Look at verse 15 to 16. Rather, he says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. Love. Yes, corporately we have to grow. But we also have to grow as a bunch of individuals as well. As individual followers of Jesus Christ, we'll mature and grow. And when we do as individuals, we do corporately too as, as one local body. And Paul sums it up. He says, speak the truth in love. But it's actually not a great translation. Here's what it really means. Truthing in love. He's really saying truthing in love. It doesn't really go to English that well, but I think you get the idea. That's really what he says when he says speak the truth in love. It means truthing in love. It's how we live, maintaining and doing the truth and acting upon belief, truth in love. That's how we want to be described. Because they have to go together. Truth without love becomes a weapon, doesn't it? Truth without love is a weapon. It hardens. It's used to bludgeon. It's used to win arguments. Truth without love. But love without truth is actually not really love. It becomes sort of soft and just emotionalism or sentimentality. Love without truth. They go together and they have to go together. They're really inseparable. And we need Paul's perspective to be equipped to grow not just to become a place that, you know, is love without truth, but not to be a place that's truth without love. We're truthing in love, Paul says. So that we become, really, and there'll be a people that are discontent with status quo all the time. The desire to see us grow as a body and people we love and care about come to see Christ. We truth in love, truthing in love love. That's what it means to be equipped, a people who grow into the maturity of Christ, into his fullness, as Christ is our head. So be equipped in the word. Be practically equipped for the work of ministry. And then ultimately we're being equipped to, to come and grow into the fullness of Christ Jesus. Would you pray with me? Lord, we want to be a people who are ready to live and serve and love for you. And we thank you that we have the gospel of Jesus Christ to make that possible. May we come to faith in, in him and grow in our trust of him so that you see, Lord, uh, we see trans continued transformation in our lives. So that we'll be a people equipped by the word, practically ready to do every, every member ministry and ultimately equipped to continue to grow into that sweet aroma that sweet vision of Jesus, our Savior. Lord, I'm so grateful for our church, so grateful for its history, so grateful for uh, the men and women who've come before us as faithful servants, so grateful we have a future of taking the gospel forward. It can be. May we be that church that is about being equipped so that we will truth in love. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.